You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a podcast offered in partnership with Missio Alliance. Each episode, we discuss internal and relational pressures, how they block effective leadership, and how we can move through them to a greater health. And now your host, Steve Kels. Oh, friends, welcome. Uh, old friends who have been with me for at least, you know, the last four years or so, which is about how long we've been doing this show. Uh, I, I get to hear from many of you. I heard from a couple of you this week. And just what a privilege it's been to share so much together. And new friends who maybe have recently discovered the show in the last year want to welcome you as well. A uh, quick tip is if, a, if an episode has a guest on it, we're typically talking about them. Oftentimes they're bringing their tools or something really amazing. If it's a solo episode, which today's is, we're typically offering you tools that I offer when I travel and do my workshops and speak and so on, or for those who join Capable Life Online. That's the solo tools. And solo episodes almost always begin with the same weird sound. It's the sound of me lighting my candle on an audio podcast. This one's the olive oil, thyme, and patchouli candle. And uh, I'll tell you guys, the reason we light the candle is just to pause, get off the anxiety treadmill, and remember what we so easily forget, that God is with us. And uh, what's true is we all carry a lot and we get carried by a lot, but sometimes just pausing and taking a few deep breaths, looking at that light of the candle as a visible, tangible reminder of God's presence, that God is as close to us as the light that we see, God is as near to us and as essential to us as the air in our lungs and um, I, I've been on quite a travel kick lately, and actually right after this podcast, I'm getting on a plane again. I'll catch you up on that later in the, in the show. But one of the recurring themes when I go do my workshops that my, my people really appreciate is that my anxiety stories are almost always current. You know those preachers that talk about back in the old days when they were a sinner? Yeah, that that's not me. I I battle what I'm teaching almost on a daily basis. And, and so my stories when I travel are usually within the last year and sometimes within the last week. And so lighting this candle, uh, this is probably a situation where I need this more than almost anybody I know right now. I've got a lot going on, a lot going on in our family life. I'll catch you up on some of that. But uh, just the chance to breathe and see and remember the Lord. Okay, so solo episode, that means I give you a tool. And let's start with that. We've got three sections of the podcast today, the tool, and then an exciting announcement, and then just a personal update from me. So first, the tool. Okay, I've been reflecting lately that um, there's a certain skill that a few vocations all have in common. So if you think about a chaplain, which is what I used to do, if you think about a social worker, you think about a counselor or a therapist, so chaplains, social workers, counselors or therapists, but also if you think about, at least here in the United States, we call them like a Red Cross crisis interventionist, those people that show up after the floods, after the tornadoes, disaster relief. This category of people, chaplains, social workers, therapists, crisis interventionists, disaster relief people, they all have a common trait that makes them good at what they do. And that's the trait I want to talk about today and invite you to practice today. And that retrait, it's very simple. It's one word. It's restraint. What we've been trained to do 
is restrain our impulses before our impulses get the better of us long enough to reflect on those impulses so that we can respond to what the situation calls for rather than react with what our impulses are telling us it calls for. Now, there's probably a cleaner way to say it, but that's it. Think about your average chaplain, social worker, therapist, crisis interventionist. What is it that we're good at? We are good at walking into a highly anxious situation, not catching the anxiety and not letting it infect us or not spreading our anxiety, restraining ourselves. We are good at before we jump in, before we say that thing, before we do that thing, we reflect on the impulse to say or do something. I know what I do and many people, my, my wife, Lisa, who's a therapist, she does this work too. We are actively talking to the Lord in real time. As somebody is in a situation, I am feeling this need to say something rising to the surface. Now, this could be professionally as a pastor when somebody comes in and tells me about what's going on in their life. This can be personally when one of my kids maybe comes home from school and is uh, spilling and carrying a lot. Uh, home life and work life, whatever it is, we, we've learned to notice that impulse that rises up in us and we grab it before it grabs us. We restrain it. And then having grabbed it, that gives us a chance to reflect on it and give it to the Lord. And so what I'm often doing is saying, okay, Lord, what's going on in me right now? Um, is this what you want me to do or is this my anxiety that's driving me? Because what's fascinating is often our first impulse to say something or do something to help somebody, it feels so right in the moment, but it's actually not what the situation requires it's that we can't manage the situation, so we have to like shrink it down or manage it or control it by saying something or doing something. I, I think of my early encounters as a chaplain. I was so green, and, and as I famously shared, they, they refuse to tell you what to do. What they do is they throw you in, and then you do, and then they, they cause you to reflect every day. We had 90 minutes of reflection every day in group as we noticed our impulses and and my peers and my supervisor would say, Steve, why did you do that? Why did you say that? What was going on in you when you said that thing or did that thing? And of course, early on, I thought what was going on in me is <laughs> like Christ and him crucified, everything pure, everything noble, everything true. I, I was very unaware that I had these fears and I had these assumptions. In fact, all of us have so much bubbling under the surface and people who go to get a master's degree in mental health counseling, people who do critical incident stress management, which is Red Cross disaster relief and so on, we're all taught to pay attention to ourself so that we don't bring the wrong part of ourself into a room. Yeah, so those early chaplaincy days, I'd walk in and uh, I would be in a room with somebody who is dying, somebody who's screaming, somebody who's extremely anxious, somebody who's grappling were the worst news of their life. And I would say something or I would do something. And it's really no exaggeration to say for the first eight to 10 weeks of chaplaincy, pretty much everything I said and did was for me when I thought it was for them. 
And that was the journey I had to learn to restrain that initial impulse that it comes up in a microsecond, doesn't it? Somebody says something, you get reactive, and then you say something. And in the moment, this is the challenge of anxiety, is in the moment, anxiety gets you drunk on it, where anxiety kind of liquors you up and says, hey, this is a great idea, you should do this. But it's all on autopilot, it's all instinctual. So learning to mistrust my first impulse, that was really powerful for me, just long enough to reflect on it. And this whole experience just took a few seconds. It was incredible how quickly I could notice the desire to say something, fix, give advice, make it better, and then say, wait a minute, okay, Lord, here it comes again. What do you want me to do? What's, does this situation require me to say anything? That's why if you've ever been in a hospital, oftentimes it looks like the chaplain isn't doing anything when in fact they're standing there silently working so hard, paying attention to themselves, paying attention to what's going on in the room. You know, my wife, who's a therapist, of course, I don't get to see her at work. It's all confidential. It's all behind a closed door. But I'll say this, I've experienced her as her husband, and it's amazing to watch how she can be so present to somebody. Uh, I've, of course, also watched her as her husband in our church, just caring for person after person. Her capacity to manage herself and focus on the other. And what it ends up doing is we create a safe space for somebody to be exactly themselves. So that's the tool of the day, learning to mistrust your impulses learning to restrain your impulses long enough that you can reflect on them, invite the Holy Spirit into them, and then deliberatively respond rather than react. And, you know, maybe I'm talking about deep work, difficult work. Those of you, a lot of my listeners, you have incredibly intense work. I, I have a lot of listeners who are deeply involved in anti-sex trafficking a lot of my listeners in foster care and adoption, a lot of my listeners in ministry where you're on the hard edges of ministry. Yes, this is really good tools for you. But listen, what if you have a 12-year-old daughter and she comes home from school and she's heartbroken because that boy isn't interested or something like that? And there you are saying some version of look on the bright side, right? You have ever done that? I've done this so many times. Uh, you know, the, the stereotype is, oh, honey, there's plenty more fish in the sea. We, we don't realize that that is our impulses getting the better of us, whereas maybe what God is inviting us to do is enter into that 12-year-old world and see that in her world, with her social circle, it's everything. You know, you're old, you have the adult brain, and maybe what's going on is you're expecting your daughter to have your brain an adult brain, but she doesn't have an adult brain. She has a perfectly adequate 12-year-old pre-teenage girl brain. And so just entering into that, maybe what you can practice is restraining the impulse to say something, to do something, to say, look on the bright side. Maybe for some of you, it's your next midweek community. Maybe you have a Bible study in your home or someone's home, or maybe you're in some kind of mentoring relationship with someone where the whole dynamic is designed for you to give advice. What would it look like just before you give that advice? Restrain, reflect. Uh, now, 
I want to be careful here. I'm not saying you should never give advice. You should never say something. You should never do something. Of course. I'm just saying what you can do is get that out of your impulses, your instinct, your reactivity, and you can deliberatively put it on your tool belt, the tool to say something, the tool to do something, and you can add it with the very powerful tool to be present with somebody in it all as they notice God for themselves. Sometimes, sometimes, by you saying something and you doing something, you're actually unintentionally robbing somebody of engaging God for themselves. I guess when I list the vocations that do this well, I I neglected one, and I'm sure I've neglected others. Spiritual directors are so good at this. My spiritual director, Howard, what a gift from God Howard has been in my life. Shout out to Howard Baker from Denver Seminary. What an absolute legend. I would sit down with Howard and, you know, I was always expecting spiritual direction to be very earnest. We laughed so much. There was so much fun in spiritual direction with Howard. But um, I guess what was I was most mindful of is his skill to help me connect to God in spiritual direction with him rather than giving me advice or, or telling me what to do. Okay, folks, that's today's tool. Learning to restrain your impulses long enough so you can reflect. The goal is to respond rather than react. Yes, it's okay to quote scripture to somebody. Yes, it's okay to give them advice or, or do something kind for somebody, but just to invite God into that in-between space. That's life-changing. Uh, that's, that's what I want to encourage us to do today. All right, part two of the podcast. Hey, really pumped about this. Uh, today's the day we went live on the Unlocking Faith conference. So the tickets are now available. Let me just tell you a little bit about the conference and then in the show notes, you'll see a link if you'd like to get a ticket. All right, I've been working on this theme in my life lately, this simple idea that's changed my life that I've always assumed that my belief in God is my deepest, most core belief, and I discovered that's not the case. Now, my belief in God is my most precious belief. That's true. But it turns out I've got beliefs that are deeper than my belief in God. I don't say that with any shame or guilt or condemnation. It just is. The story I tell myself is sitting down there. The meaning I've made out of my childhood experiences is sitting down there. For some of you, your trauma is sitting down there. The parts of myself that get activated when I feel under pressure or exhausted or when I don't get what I think I need. All of these under the surface of my faith in God that get in the way, they they block, they keep me trapped. And what they do is they rob me from what God is offering, which is peace, freedom, and love. So October 2nd through 4th, the Unlocking Faith Conference. I'll be speaking. My wife, Lisa Cuss, will be speaking. Dr. Chuck DeGroat will be speaking. Uh, Also, uh, Andy Gullihorn and Jill Phillips, two of my favorite musicians, singer-songwriters, incredible people. They'll be both bringing music for us, but also they'll be on a panel because Andy and Jill, Jill's a therapist. Andy has his own journey of recovery. They both do a lot with Enneagram. Their music and their teaching reflect a well-integrated life. Also, two of our precious Capable Life trainers, many of you know, Renee Loring and Jimmy Carnes, they'll be speaking as well. Each of us will be bringing a key, a specific key, 
to help you locate and unlock beliefs that you hold or beliefs that have a hold of you that are deeper than your belief in God so that you can open the floodgates to more peace, more freedom, more love. Now, we don't do utopia here. I'm not promising some kind of beautiful life, but I am promising that you can be more infected with the peace of Christ, more liberated by the freedom in Christ. You can relax into the love of God. So that's what the Unlocking Faith Conference is all about. I'm also really thrilled that Dr. Chuck DeGroat's coming. Many of you know Chuck. He's been on the podcast. He and Lisa, my wife, and Jill Phillips, they're all therapists. They bring trauma training. They bring attachment theory. So we'll be integrating all of these theories through the lens of the gospel to help you unlock your faith. Now, you can join us here in Colorado. We'll be hosting in Colorado. We've intentionally chosen a smaller intimate venue. So the Colorado tickets we assume will sell pretty quickly. So if you want to come, go ahead and buy one now. Click that link in the show notes now. But we're also offering live streaming. The church facility we're using, Crossroads Church in Thornton, a dear friends of ours, uh, they have world-class live streaming facilities. Incredible. So you'll have a great live streaming experience. The other beauty is for many of you, the timing may not work out because maybe your time zones, a lot of you live around the world, or maybe just that, you know, those few days in October. If you buy a live streaming ticket, even if you can't join us live streaming, you automatically get access to every session on demand. After the conference is wrapped up, we'll just need maybe 10 to 14 days to get those videos edited and uploaded. And by buying a live streaming ticket, you get included access to all of the sessions on demand. So hey, join us in person, join us live streaming. I've already heard from a number of churches that you're actually going to open up your auditorium and you're going to host the conference live streaming on your screen. We have a way for you to do that too. So click the link. That'll take you to all of the ways you can get tickets. Early bird pricing wraps up midnight, March 15th. So for some of you, you may be listening to this and that's already over. But uh, you can get the best price before March 15th and then the price goes up a little bit and then it goes up again uh, this June. So that's the Unlocking Faith Conference. Really excited about it. Excited that some of my dear friends who I've learned from and respect will be coming and sharing it that as well. Okay, uh, next update, my travel schedule. I'm heading to Australia today for a couple of reasons. The fun reason is this incredible group called Baptist World Aid is bringing me in. So February 27th in Sydney, on the 28th in Brisbane, March 1st in Melbourne, March 2nd in Adelaide, March 3rd in the greatest city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. I'll be doing a three-hour morning workshop in all of those places and I'll put a link in the show notes, show notes for the Aussies that want to come and join. Now, hey, I'll be honest, there's so many of you, I would love to catch up with, you know, outside of the conference. But as you can hear from that schedule, I'm doing a city a day for five days, not much time for coffee, unfortunately, but come to the conference, I will have time afterwards to visit. Um, I'll be doing three hour workshops in each of those cities. So we'd love you to join us there. Tickets, links also in the show notes. Okay. As we close, just a personal update. I'm going to need to take a hiatus from the podcast for a few weeks, maybe about a month or so. Uh, my, my dad and my sister called this weekend and my mum is right down to the end. So that's why I'm heading to the airport today. I'm, I'm rushing out of town to go try to catch my mum before she passes 
and then especially to be there with my dad and my sister uh, before this speaking tour starts. So with all that going on and my family is moving to a new house this week, uh, it's just getting a little nuts around Cuscasa. So I'll just need to take a breather from the podcast while I'm at home grieving and attending to my family and, of course, taking care of myself and letting people take care of me too. So listen, listeners, I, I love this ministry. I love this podcast. I love that I get to help and, and share these with you and uh, stick around. We'll be back uh, probably uh, April, something like that. Give, give us a month or so. We'll get back on our feet. And I've got several guests that have been incredibly gracious to let me reschedule with this trip. Um, thank you for your prayers for me, for my mom, my dad, and my sister, my wife, Lisa. We, we feel them. We feel the peace of God. Uh, and this is also one of the reasons why lighting the candle has uh, been so needed for me. Uh, definitely a, a tough season. So lots of good to celebrate, lots of hard, uh, what I believe Jesus calls the abundant life. Uh, no question I'm living it abundantly right now. And I uh, look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks. And Aussies, I'd love to meet you in person in one of these cities. So reach out to that. And for those of you who want to participate in our October conference, now's the time to grab a ticket. Okay, folks, that's it from me. Thank you and see you in a few weeks. For more resources, visit stevecusswords.com or missyoualliance.org.